Blog Talk Radio. The opinions and views expressed by the host and guest are not necessarily the views and opinions of the Blake Radio Network. Broadcasting, broadcasting, broadcasting to the world. Broadcasting to the world, to the world, to the world. BlakeRadio.com. Music for your mind, body, and soul. Talk radio at its best. You are listening to Rainbow Soul. BlakeRadio.com. Dr. Jennifer Daniels, and you're listening to Healing with Dr. Daniels on the Rainbow Soul Channel at BlakeRadio.com. Okay, so tonight's topic is a former pharmaceutical drug representative speaks out. I know a lot of you have been extremely curious to know what exactly do drug reps do? What exactly happens? And so tonight we're going to hear about, um, you know, you know what the job entails, what really goes on, and actually how they treat their employees as well. And then uh, our special guest, Mr. Rich Shaben, is going to share with us his off-grid solution to all of this madness. Hi, Rich, are you there? I am here, Dr. Daniels. How are you today? Oh, pretty good. How are you doing? No complaints. It's uh, here in northwest Montana. We finally got some cool weather, a little rain the other day, and uh, it was much needed. Excellent. Okay, we got a little uh, serenade from the dog next door, but that's okay. All right, (laughs) so you worked as a drug rep for how many years? Uh, A little over 20 years. You said 20 years? Mhm. You know, I'm not hearing you at all. Yeah, can you hear me? Really, it's a whisper. Really? Yep. Do you want me to call? Do Do I need to call back and reconnect, or? Let me ask my chat room if they can hear. Can you hear me, Doctor Daniels? My chat room. All right, we're asking the chat room, can they hear? All right. Can well, you hear me? We're going to keep going because I got, uh, okay, chat room can hear you fine, so that's good enough for me. All right, so you're calling from Montana. Mm-hmm. So tell me, yes, when, uh, so tell us, what's it like being a drug rep? What did they ask you to do? What was your day like? Well, here in Montana, we did a lot of traveling, a lot of driving. Obviously, Montana is a very large state and it's pretty spread out. And uh, I'll try to make a long story short as the best I can. We uh, drove around. We had drug samples in our trunk, and we would give them out to physicians. And um, hopefully they gave them out to patients that uh, were more on the indigent side or patients who wanted to try the drug for the first time. And... Um, we detailed, it was called detailing the drug. In other words, we would discuss the efficacy, the safety profile, um, and how it compared to competitors' products. And we weren't allowed to make homemade bread, if you will. In other words, 
everything got handed down by the powers that be in the pharmaceutical company that supposedly got FDA approved on what we could legally discuss. And you so say it was totally dis- FDA approved? Everything that we said came down from our attorneys in-house that was supposedly FDA approved. So in other oh, words, okay. we couldn't go out and make up stories about a, about a drug. We had to be told what, in other words, what to say. Um, it got to the point that our message was so limited that they would just increase the amount of pharmaceutical reps to bombard each specific doctor with the same now, what message. Now, what Because I know when I was in medical practice, the drug reps came up with a lot of really outrageous things that weren't in the package insert or anyplace else. Well, they I think they were taking a chance. Um, so from I, what year did it start? We, and from what year to what year? Uh, I my career was I was forcibly retired at the end of two thousand and four, and um, two thousand four so twenty know, years before two thousand and four. Correct, and I okay. I actually started in the generic pharmaceutical industry back in the early eighties, and then I went into in the late eighties I went into the to the uh, into the brand name company, if you will. So would that be like a promotion? Up, you know, move up. No, I, I I just moved to Montana at that particular point in time. I got my last college degree, and I got into that particular industry. Um, that That's basically what I did. Now, I don't want people to think that I, I've totally changed my position on the pharmaceutical industry, Dr. Daniels. Uh, you wanted me to tell you what we do. Right, yeah, and we figured that wanted, because you don't work there anymore. Yeah, and so so what happened is I I, I throughout my career, there was a lot of curious things that were going on. There was a lot of people getting sick and even dying. And, um, you know, the companies would tell us what to say or mostly what not to say to the physicians because the legal department would handle it. So it, it was very closed. It was very orchestrated. And that's why our messaging couldn't get um, – they had to have a certain specificity, and we couldn't, you know, get real – into theater, if you will, okay? We were salespeople, but we were almost PR people banging the same message over and over. And towards the end of my career, um, that's when things really started to backfire because one of the things I said at a meeting is I I suggested we create a nutritional care program for the nation. And um, (laughs) I basically was looked at like an alien from out of space because it was pretty obvious that the powers that be in that structure didn't really care about the people getting well. They cared more about the profits. And I'll tell you the specific story that happened to me. Uh, shortly after that, I was having a lot of, uh, a lot of strange um, side effects with my spine. And um, right now I have uh, the whole now, right side of my body. when you say side effects I, with your spine, side effects are, you know, something you get from drugs. Were you taking yeah. medications well, and then developed? They were, well, they were. I was taking pain pills. I had a lot of symptoms, with like like right side pain, nerve damage, and some paralysis, including down my legs. The right side of my skull is either numb or has excruciating headaches. Um, I've even had heart attack symptoms on the left side of my chest. And I had several physicians write letters to my company. I was working for GlaxoSmithKline. To reduce my driving, my, my, these physicians, including one physician hired by Glaxo, that mm-hmm. recommended a 50% driving in my driving or reduction in my driving. My company, long story short, told me that part-time job shares were for women only. So I worked an extra seven years with these symptoms, and I got to the point that political correctness um, basically destroyed my health, or or really took a big chunk out of it. Now I have no problem with. Let me just let me just clarify this. Um, this I just want to really put my position on the upfront center here. Whenever um, those in power don't want you to have something, they say they're giving it to another group, which of course doesn't ever get it. And then when they don't want to give anything to the other group, they tell them that oh, it went to the group they want you to. Whatever. So I think this whole 
political correctness thing is just kind of a variation on the word no is, is all it is. But I think what well, you really is. want to focus on is your actual experience. So you called on doctors, and did doctors ever tell you something like, oh, this drug isn't working? Um, I don't know. I'm sure I've had, I can't remember the specific details of uh, Mm -hmm. the interactions I've had with physicians. Um, I have had physicians um, question, I think, some side effects. And when when patients were getting sick or some were were dying, I think physicians were getting very concerned. And we were told, you know, we had a specific message. Well, we had had a specific message message that that was given to us from the powers that be in that pharmaceutical company structure. Everything was canned. And most of the time but we was weren't even supposed to address When the doctor we said, to, hey, this drug is giving side effects, what was your canned response to that? Well, it depends on what they had. They were telling us to say at that particular time. Give me an example. Well, I, you know, it was so long ago. I can't remember any examples, but it was a very it was a it was a canned um, response that was given to us, that was written for us, that we were supposed to memorize and give to the physician, or say, our legal department is looking into it and we can't respond. That's the type oh, of stuff that was going on. Yeah. So it was basically the every, everything that happens is with, to cover the butt. Feedback that was unexpected. In other words, they would come up with some side effects that maybe wasn't on your um, talking points list. Um, and that could be possible. You know, I can't, like I said, um, remembering the, the specific details that, that, that I had 10 years ago plus, um, I don't remember. But all I know is that they cared a lot more about profits than they did about people. And that's some of the uh, the things that I figured out, unfortunately, late in my career. And, um, you know, I have no problem, to be honest with you, Dr. Daniels, with anybody or any company being self-righteous. But this company mm-hmm. that that said that I couldn't keep my job and, and reduce my hours despite the physicians who wanted me to, as per mm-hmm. even the physicians that they sent me to, you know, this company, GlaxoSmithKline, they let me just share a few headlines with you. Um, U.S. media blackout: Italian court rules vaccines cause autism. Um, GlaxoSmithKline accidentally releases concentrated live polio virus in the environment in Belgium. Drug giant cl- cl- pleads guilty, fined three billion dollars for marketing for things like uh, pr- illegal promotion of its products, failure to report safety data, alleged false price mm-hmm. reporting, and more. So what I'm the point I'm trying to make is that we have and I talk my book talks about the financial, economic, social and political reasons why we need to be more self sufficient as an American people or as a people in general, humanity. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think that we're losing control, the poor middle class is losing control of their destiny. And that's one of the reasons I talk about some of the things I do because we're being distracted, dumbed down and divided as American people. Powers that be are instead of we need to change things from the bottom up and not the top down. As long as they continue mm. to create a different system of rules, laws, and accountability based on what group you're in, then we will be drunk, continue to be drunk on the Kool-Aid of political correctness, and we're not going to be able to have the ingenuity and productivity and the ideas and solutions to simplify our life and control our own destiny, especially regarding health. So I just feel it's important to bring some of these things to light because um, I think, especially as far as health, we as a nation have abdicated our responsibility to contribute to future generations. And we can't wait for big government or certain authorities or big corporations to do it for us. We're at the point right now, when you look at what's happening with GMO foods and Monsanto and the lack of nutrition in our soil, I mean, I can go on and on. We're losing that ability to, again, control our own destiny financially, economically, socially, politically, and health reasons as well. As well. Now, you so, say destiny. What do you mean? Well, let me just give you an example. Um, look, look what's happening with GMO foods. Here in America, mm-hmm. 
Monsanto's doing everything in their power. You know, just a few weeks ago, um, the U.S. DA was developing new government labeling for products to, to be to tell people if it's free of GMO foods. Now, Congress has been protecting Monsanto for lawsuits forever. Now, mm-hmm. it just came out the other day that Monsanto is going to have uh, is doing everything in their power to make food labeling illegal. This is America. Mm-hmm. I mean, can you imagine that to make food labeling illegal? I mean, it's pretty. People know that that um, GMO foods cause cancer, changes our DNA, and creates organ failure. So mm-hmm. if the American people can't look at a label to see how dangerous it is, never mind the chemicals and pesticides, how can they control mm-hmm. their own destiny? So well, I think you've you know, got you the answer at, to that. What would the answer be? Well, the answer would be to we we have to start growing our own food. Now, if you live in let me let me address the urban suburban pe- person who's listening to this. There was mm-hmm. a, a documentary, Dr. Daniels, oh about ten years ago. It was a neighborhood in South L.A., and I've mentioned this in previous radio shows on the air. Some mm-hmm. wealthy guy donated 14 acres to this neighborhood. Okay, it was a rough neighborhood. They had a beautiful garden. Well, it turned out that this rich guy became an Indian giver and plowed over their gardens. And you should have seen how beautiful the gardens was. It was not in the best neighborhood. The gangs left it alone. There was synergy. There was people of all different skin pigmentations, all different genders, all different. Didn't No one cared who had sex with who. You know, it mm-hmm. wasn't to be divided. There was synergy. And that's what I talk about is synergy over division. And the powers that be are doing everything to divide us. And that's how you, you conquer a society. All right? Now, the point of me mm-hmm. mentioning this is because people got along. They ate healthy. Now, there was heavy metals in the soil. It wasn't the best place to grow a garden, but they did it. Now, and I think it's because the powers to be saw how these people got along. The powers to be want to create division right now because of all the, for example, all the the, uh, illegal, corrupt um, practices of the central banks, for one example, and they want to create distractions and division to create smoke screens so people don't see what's going on. So if we all, the benefits of gardening, folks, I always say on the air, and I say this in the in the DVD and in the book and all the radio shows and talks I give, the benefits of gardening are a hundredfold. First of all, I suggest you keep away from anything in vitro. In other words, in test tube, in laboratories. Buy open pollinated or heirloom seeds. And be careful where you plant, because if you're next to some farmer who has GMO foods by Monsanto, if that seed mm-hmm. gets blown over, get, gets blown over on your property and germinates, they're going to sue you. That's how crazy things have gotten. Now, I really suggest also um, doing raised bed garden, gardening in lieu of single row gardening. And how that you can control your own destiny there is that all the vitamins and minerals that you put into the soil doesn't get leached out. It stays in that border that you put up. Now, most of American farmland, folks, have been mechanically, commercially, and chemically beat to smithereens. All those pretty vegetables that you buy at the store, they can be pretty. They can look pretty. It doesn't mean they have vitamins and minerals because it comes from the soil. Now, I also want to talk about enzymes real quickly. Enzymes act as catalysts for biochemical reactions, which aid in digestion and nutrient support. Now, in the summer months, like now, I suggest everybody to grow vegetables, even if you have a little plot of land. Now, here in Montana, obviously, we don't have the longest growing season, but if I connected all my raised beds, folks, I have one-tenth of an acre of a garden. That's it. Two little greenhouses and one-tenth of an acre, and I can grow 90% of my own produce. 90 in Montana. Now, when you eat raw vegetables and you get the enzymes and you don't cook your food over 130 degrees Fahrenheit, which kills the enzymes, those enzymes are really going to benefit your body. And I, I, I have an acronym that I talk about on the radio here and there, especially in the book. It's called SARP, Synthetic, Artificial, Refined, and Processed. 
synthetic, artificial, refined, and processed. You know, I had a shake today for lunch. I'm not perfect. I don't try to be. I just try to be cognizant of what I consume on a regular basis. Okay? Actually, some friends took me out to lunch, so I <laughs> I went out to a restaurant. And I, we go out to restaurants once in a while. It's okay to do everything in moderation. Now, before I talk about immune stimulants versus immune suppressants, um, the immune system, folks, deals with six major things, inflammation, circulation, allergies, infections, detoxifications, cancers, and tumors. Now, that being said, how many of you are, are taking pharmaceutical drugs, which are synthetic most of the time, for any of these? Now, uh, I just have to make a point here. If it's a, if it's a pharmaceutical drug, it has to be synthetic. You can't get a patent unless something has a synthetic aspect to it. So it would have to be, by definition, synthetic. The FDA uh, cannot even approve something unless it's synthetic. That's correct. Well, yeah. let me let me let me so, let me talk about. Let me let me mention that. I just read an article this morning. Uh, this was a re- this article came out last night. The CDC admits 98 million Americans re- who received polio vaccine in an eight-year span it was contaminated by with cancer. Uh, mm-hmm. Google and CDC removed this page from the CDC website, and I can give you, if you'd like, I can look it up and, and share with your listeners so they can go online and and read this. And there was a Dr. Michelle Carbonic professor of pathology or assistant professor of pathology in uh, Chicago who Mm -hmm. openly acknowledged HIV AIDS was spread by hepatitis B vaccine produced by Merck in the early 70s. So I'm not saying that all drugs are bad, folks. I'm saying that we can build our immune system, okay, through natural ways if we try a little harder as, as people. Okay, we need to read, we need to research, and we need to share as much information as possible. And that includes sharing open pollinated and heirloom seeds. Now, let me talk a minute about immune stimulants versus immune suppressants. Everybody knows the number one immune suppressant is sugar. Now, there's a lot of vegetables, folks, that are really good immune system stimulants. Garlic, onions, cayenne pepper, horseradish, ginger, cabbage family. And I mean cabbage, broccoli, uh, Brussels sprouts, asparagus. These are all so really good cancer tumor fighters. And I harvest here in northwest Montana edible and medicinal plants. Um, one one plant, I, I don't know if you've ever heard, Dr. Daniels, of chaga. It, it's high in SOD, which is superoxide dismutase. It's a dry mushroom that mm-hmm. grows on trees out in the woods preferably harvesting it from a, a birch tree, which is high in butylin and butylinic acid. And uh, I harvest that and I make a tea out of it. So I'm not saying that all drugs are bad. I'm saying if you can avoid 90% of them, you'll probably have a greater chance of creating homeostasis in your body and being healthy. Now, regarding you vaccines... if we just took you know, 10% most, of them, we'd probably be okay? Well, I think it depends on our behaviors. And what I mean by behaviors, I mean your your diet, your exercise, your sleep, um, you know, alcohol intake, things like that. I mean, I'm the first to admit I am an imperfect sinner. And if there's anybody listening to this show right now who's a perfect non-sinner, I promise you I will disappoint. But we're all human. We all make mistakes. And what I'm saying is if we can have a proper, balanced diet with exercise, proper hydration. I have a rule of thumb, you know, try to drink half your body weight in ounces. So if you weigh 200 pounds, try to drink close to 100 ounces. Even if you did half of that, you'd be well on your way to being very healthy. So we need all these food-like products we need to consume with moderation. Because food-like products that have things like MSG, aspartame, Many artificial sweeteners, nicotine, high fructose corn syrup, all this stuff. No, Rich, I think that these are all really good points. 
I want the audience to get kind of a sense of urgency. This is why I want to understand the meaning of what you mean by destiny. Does that mean that this is a problem of our grandchildren and let them solve it? Does that mean it's a problem of our children? Does that mean it's affecting our lives today? I mean, how urgent is this? I think we need to first establish some level of urgency or we can just say, well, write a good book and leave it to your grandkids, tell them to read it and grow their own food. Okay. Well, let me address that as many details as I possibly can. You know, when I talk about this stuff, this is why I always dovetail finance and economy in the structure mm-hmm. because of the stress and the lack of, of middle-class success and prosperity that's going on. I won't talk too much about that because you are a physician and you uh, and you have different listeners for different reasons. But let's just talk about the people who the 90% of people who live in urban suburban America. Okay, they're on municipal water. Now fluoride mm-hmm. has been known to cause cancer. It's a main ingredient in rat poison. China labels it as a pesticide. It makes women sterile. It makes everybody docile. Now when I mm-hmm. if you were to say this three, four years ago, you would have been considered a conspiracy theorist. Now, I also have a story in the book by a Dr. Brzezinski who got raided by the FDA and the National Cancer Institute, which is one of the many alphabet soups under the federal government, and he was curing cancers up to 80% in Texas. Mm. And I'm making an extreme long story short. They stole his data. They did everything possible. They threatened to put him in jail, find him, tried to find him up the wazoo. Um, mm-hmm. His patients came to his rescue. And long story short, he finally agreed, because of all the hassle he was getting after 15 years, to let the FDA and the NCI do uh, a joint venture with his um, neoplastin, anti-neoplastin therapy and see how it would work. And um, basically they put doses in the medication that was so ther- so small, they were therapeutically non-efficacious. So mm-hmm. my, po- my point is that the powers that be, the so-called authorities, um, the, um, um, by the way, the, the FDA and the National Cancer Institute folks is under the U.S. Health and Human Services. This is the department that runs Obamacare. I don't think I need to mm-hmm. say any more about that. So yes, I think it is an urgency because one out of six, one out of sixty of us in 1900, Dr. Daniels died of cancer. Today it's one out of two. So for, if you're listening this with the, to this program with somebody, folks, look at them and who is going to be affected by cancer. It's going to be either you or them statistically. So when you look exactly. at GMOs, so what I'm trying to establish then is. It's not an issue of destiny. In other words, distant future or other generations. This is a kind of a here and now concern. Well, absolutely. But you, in order to control your own destiny with foresight into the future, you have to look at the facts, the objective facts that's happening now. You know, too many people, especially our so-called leaders, are rating everything through well, subjective emotions. I'm going to be 10 years older 10 years from now. So mm-hmm. I could just wait 10 years from now. But it might be that if I or the audience ignore what you're saying, there might not be a 10 years from now. Well, absolutely. You know what I'm right. So in other words, then, this is not a problem that can be left to destiny or the future or progeny. Well, of so course. It, it sounds urgent. Well, it's very urgent. I mean, absolutely. I mean, uh, okay. l- look at l- look at the vaccines that people are taking with mercury, MSG, formaldehyde, aluminum, all potent neurotoxic chemicals and heavy metals. And I mean, we have got we're getting to the point that um, it's it, it's so obvious. If you do a little research, yeah, we're not that getting to we the are getting point. sicker. We're there. Right. We're there. And this we're is, not getting and this is, to the point. We're and, there. And I, yes, and I, I totally agree. And that's why we need to start changing our behaviors and looking at life differently and thinking differently and having synergy and not letting the powers that be distract them down and divide us. 
We need to have tolerance. What was your wake-up call? What was it that happened that uh, made you decide it was time, that it was time to go off-grid, to take back your power, and be self-sufficient? Well, I realized that um, we're not being judged by things like hard work, proven results, and qualifications anymore. And if you speak the truth, you know, you get labeled. You, you, they will do everything, the powers that be, to demonize you and discredit you. And I feel that, um, first of all, you know, going telling the whole story, I love outdoors. I love nature. It's not just hunting and fishing with me. I love botany, edible medicinal plants. I love berry picking. I love mushrooming. I love, you know, everything... Uh, you know, wildflower identification, raising animals, uh, hiking through the woods. I just love everything in nature. So my dream, my goal, if you will, was to eventually do this anyway. And I realized that with our society and our fascist system, which is basically big corporate corrupt uh, corporations creating an alliance with big government, we have reached the point of no return where things like the eight criteria I put in the book is how we should get hired in lieu of what group we're in, and that's hard work, effort, proven results, qualifications. Right, but should we be hired at all? Should we be hired at all? You know, I think that's another issue. When the majority of citizens in a country, like the United States, become employees then they become much less willing or even able to exercise the backbone and integrity needed to solve present-day problems. It's like asking a um, government employee what size government should be. Mm-hmm. Right, so if a person works for a, a large corporation, it's tough for them to take a rigorous anti-corporate posture. So it seems to me that the criteria for employment are irrelevant to the solution to the present situation. The solution might be to stop being an employee, which is what I feel you've done. Well, and I think everybody is going to look at things differently, Dr. Daniels, and everybody's going to have different choices and different options. And it's going to depend on their capital resources. It's going to depend on their experience. It's going to depend on their skill set. Everybody's going to have to reevaluate something. But I'll tell you one thing, folks, regarding what Dr. Daniels is saying right now. If you want to be a someday aisle, which means someday I'll do this, someday I'll do that, and if you feel like you're, you want to break free because you might be a hamster on a treadmill running to nowhere, and you're tired of living in suburban, urban America or whatever country you're listening to right now, or you um, you have a love of nature like I do, and when you walk in a city park, you look at the birds and the trees, and you're in awe. You know, there's a lot of people. Um, just take America. Ninety percent of Americans live in urban, suburban America. Now, that's why I like to use that term, control, controlling your own destiny, whether it be a lack of or trying to, because regarding things like growing your own food, raising your own animals, harvesting your own wood for heat, help, whatever you decide to call independent, self-sufficient, controlling your own destiny. It's a game of semantics. It could even be Hegelian dialect, and we don't want to trip over that. What we want to do is give ideas and solutions to benefit the people so they can make educated choices based on the criteria that works for them according to their capital, their skill set, their needs, their wants, their dreams, their goals. And people of different age groups are going to be thinking differently as well. But I, one Let's thing go back that to I, motivation. I think that the, gov- the audience has got to make a pretty big leap here. And I think we'd like to give them more motivation to make the leap before we tell them more about maybe how to make the leap. So let's go back to that vague 20-year career and tell the audience a little more kind of about your interaction with doctors. So when they mentioned a side effect to you that wasn't on your um, talking points, you told them the legal department were looking into it. Now, when I was practicing, the drug reps would say, no, 
Dr. Daniel. <laughs> We've never heard of that side effect. Are you sure? I don't think it could be the drug. And after a while, I would call it the drug rep surprise speech. But you didn't get that uh, kind of coaching when you were... Well, I'll be honest with you, um, I, and I'm not trying to stick up for that specific drug rep because I don't know who you're talking about, but I will tell you mm-hmm. that drug reps are taught to be dumbed down. They are taught... No, 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 no. If they, they have a spiel. They have a spiel. So I know... They, they have a, they have a spiel. They have a spiel. Absolutely. Absolutely. And whatever they yeah. legally, whatever their legal spiel is, Dr. Daniels, it's got to be from an approved study or the PI, which is the package insert. So, right. so what I'm asking is when you were a drug rep for 20 years, did you ever give the doctor, I'm so shocked to hear that, a spiel? No, I, 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 I don't remember. I don't think All I right. did. Good enough. Um, what, if if, no, if, if doctors gave, I think we were I think we were instructed if a doctor gave uh, a contraindication or a side effect that wasn't in the package insert and, and they were alarmed mm-hmm. about it, I think what we did is we would either um, follow up with that with some department inside the the company and have them contact the doctor to um, to basically write it down if you will okay and if if that if they got more a certain cardinal number of x amount of um, side effects or contraindications i think then maybe it might go into the package insert that's how and don't don't quote me on that but i think that's how it works oh no you know we what the point that i want trying to uh, reveal here is your first-hand interaction. The other end, I can fill in as a doctor. I know what the other hand is. But on your hand, though, they said, hey, write that down. We're going to follow up. We're going to contact that doctor. And just like Santa Claus, we're keeping track of what naughty and nice things our medications are doing. So that was basically the response? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I All mean, right. So another thing yeah, then is doctors. Let me just tell you one thing that's going to be very relevant to this conversation. In the beginning mm-hmm. of my uh, career, there was a few of us pharmaceutical reps. They called us mm-hmm. drug reps, detail people, or whatever. Now, at the end of my career, in the last like five to seven years, they bombarded doctors with pharmaceutical reps killed them, pounded them over the head, figuratively speaking, with with certain messages because if you were lucky enough to see a doctor, it might it could be as infrequently as two to three times a year. Okay? In addition to that, the average detail in the last few years of my career might have been forty five seconds. Might get six now, seven details. Now, did you do like lunches for the office in order to get more face yeah. time with the doctor? Absol- absolutely, and the doctors and nurses they kind of rotated in and out and stuff like that, and that's where you did get more face time. But it got to the point that the, we were saturating the the doctors' offices because a lot of doctors' offices wouldn't even see they wouldn't even see drug reps, okay? Because a lot of doctors. There was different circumstances for different regions in the country. Some regions had a lot of contracts, a lot of bidding, a lot of this, a lot of that. So you were almost just at the end of our my career, we were basically sample droppers. We were almost like UPS people with ties. Now we had to know what we had to know, and we would get some face time here and there. But like I said. If if I had to now, of course I didn't put it in a graph and punch out punch these numbers out with a calculator. But if I had to shoot from the hip and guess, I'd say towards the end of my career I got maybe six details per day. Six, averaging probably forty five seconds apiece. Now do that math. Let's just say it was a minute apiece. Yeah, okay. but let's talk about the lunch. That's a really important point you mentioned, that the nurses and doctors would kind of come and go, 
And you would talk to the nurses as well as the doctors. Is that right? Correct. Now, Correct. This is but the, the, the doctors uh, were interesting. the doctors were a hundred were ninety nine percent more influential because they wrote the scripts. Right. So let me tell you what happens when you do a lunch at a doctor's office. You detail the doctor, the nurse, and my drug reps even detailed the receptionist. Yes. I don't know that you did that, but yes, they detailed the receptionist. So the guy packs up his bags, you know, he leaves all the leftovers, and I let the front desk take him home to her kids or her family. And so I'm talking to the receptionist, and she's detailing me, repeating the drug rep's script. I told her if she wanted to keep her job, she would just have to zip it, not repeat anything the drug rep said. Well, you got, and we all remember this, Dr. Daniels, when we were kids. Remember the the semicircle, the kindergarten teacher put us in it, and we did the telephone game. Every time you, first of all, hear something from somebody and you're not getting it from the horse's mouth and it goes down to one person or to another person or to another person, you know, the whole context of the discussion and the messaging is, is totally wrong in the first place. So I've never, heard, I've, I've never heard of a drug rep. I've never heard of a drug rep detailing a receptionist unless they're yep. so desperate, hoping a physician <laughs> might be up at the, front, at the front desk doing a photocopy and here's part of this the This is the one doctor office one doctor office, and so she, this drug rep, I don't know if it's she or he, not only detailed the receptionist, but left the receptionist with quite a bit of literature, which she handed to me, and I could tell that she was not deviating very much from the script. I explained to her, look, I went to medical school, you didn't. I'm writing the scripts, you're not. I'm not paying you to listen to a drug rep, don't listen. But this is another device that makes the use of drugs even more dangerous. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I totally now, agree. What, are, I, uh, what did you do with the doctors? Like you, you mentioned these discouraging statistics. Six, you go to six offices maybe in a day because distances are pretty long out there. And you might get 60 seconds or 40 seconds with the doctor. What did you do with doctors who were just uncooperative. I know if you retired in 2004, then you were actually getting printouts of the doctor's drug use and whether or not he was prescribing your drugs. Did they share Absolutely. those with you? Ah, what Absolutely. year did they start sharing that with you? Absolutely. Yes. In fact, I got to tell I have to tell this to your listeners. If you think there's confidentiality in medicine, folks, uh, give me a call. I have a bridge to sell you. It's all, everything's controlled. We knew what physician, uh, probably the last six, seven years of my career, we knew what physician wrote mm-hmm. what prescription and mm-hmm. all of our competition in that particular um, you know, medical arena, if you will, in that particular disease state. Now, I was mostly, most of my career, I was in asthma and basically respiratory. Asthma, allergic rhinitis, Um, even though I did detail quite a few other drugs, that was pretty much my main specialty, if you will, over my career. Mm -hmm. Um, We knew everything. We knew more than the doctor knew about himself. Exactly. And HIPAA, HIPAA, HIPAA requirements, folks, when you go into a doctor, a hospital, it's all smoke and mirrors. HIPAA is totally made to basically hide the inadequacies of the system. So they, if, if they double, trip, tri- or triple, or quadruple bill you, they have coverage. Um, it's, it, it, if, it, if there's malpractice, they're covering their butts because less people are going to hear about it. HIPAA is to keep the word down and create silence to protect the status quo in the system. Now, the system, it's physicians, insurance companies, hospitals, they're basically all, it's almost like a big oligarchy, if you will. And it's, this is why I really believe, and I talk about 
the urgency, and, and I know you're not crazy about that, those words controlling your own destiny, but I think it's, oh, it's time. It's time that we have to start yeah, watching say, what we consume. When you talk about controlling destiny, it just sounds so abstract. It sounds like something you can start doing certainly tomorrow. Maybe not next year, but you certainly start tomorrow. I mean, think about we it be, today. Well, we, I think we should be I, starting I yesterday. That. Yeah, I think we should. I don't be, think it's a destiny uh, yeah, issue. Should, well, de- I, when I say destiny, I, that's an implication from now to the future, till the end of time. Mm. I think we need whether it be growing your own garden, buying organics. You know, there's a there's or even organics now. Big corporations, folks, are buying up uh, small organic uh, uh, companies, and inclu- including uh, the Monsantos of the world of the world. And it's making it very difficult for a savvy com- consumer to really um, pick and choose the, the safest place to, to, to buy their, their vegetables. Nine out of ten drug makers, too, folks, spend more on marketing than research and development. Now, that should be pretty scary. And when 96% of Monsanto shareholders vote to not disclose GMO ingredients, I mean, that should be a red flag for everybody, whether the growing their own garden or just deciding to uh, buy GMO at their at their farmer's market, which I really recommend you do. Get to, get to know your farmer. Get to know the people. Uh, visit their farm. See if they're using, if they are staying organic. Seeing how they pick their now, vegetables, how they store. Um, savvy consumers. Is that an oxymoron? No. Um, it could be, depending on the context you use it in. But I think that we need to be in a position to we we have to we have to read and research even listening to a radio show it, we is not going to be enough we have to pick up the internet folks has almost everything you need okay and like the immune suppressants i mentioned um my acronym i mentioned let me just give you an example potatoes today when you go into most supermarkets if they're not organic they're sprayed with chemicals to slow down budding shoots and rots, plus they're radiated, which destroys nutrition and vitamins. Federal law protects the potato farmers from revealing this information. It's not mom-and-pop farmer that did the lobbying to create these rules and regulations. It's the big corporate oligarchies, conglomerates, who are buying up the mom-and-pops who are controlling the food source. You control the food, you control the people. So... You know, whether it be the MSGs, the food-like products, the, all the cancer-causing GMOs, the hormone steroids and antibiotics in our meat, I mean, we can talk about this till we're blue in the face. There's yeah, better, now you there's certain some choices good that we... Uh, earlier, the good point, I think, was that these reports about the drugs the doctors prescribe and the competitors and stuff, what did you do with this information? How is it used? Well, we could we, – let's say we were armed, and I'm, I'm giving a hypothetical situation here, but let's say our briefcase or detail bag or whatever you want to label it as, and we were – we would look at this physician, and our company would tell us with the data that they purchased from pharmacies and whomever, they would tell us, okay, Dr. – you know, Dr. Jones. Dr. Jones had, he prescribes probably 60% respiratory, even though he's a family practice doctor. So he's really big in asthma and allergic rhinitis. Here's my product X. And then you have product A, B, and C, which are competitors. He writes X amount of product A, B, and C mm-hmm. and X amount of my products. So I would know mm-hmm. on a monthly, quarterly, yearly basis, depending on what the report said, what that physician wrote. And mm-hmm. um, like I said, there's no confidentiality in medicine. And how did all. you use the information? Well, I would cater my detail with certain studies that I had. Let's say he was using product A 90% of the time, and my product was product X. So product A, I would com- basically compare the efficacy, the safety profile, things of that nature, 
maybe this may be side effects and contraindications. I don't know. And see what oh, so the difference was. So when I would have an opportunity. He was using. That's correct. I knew exactly. Okay. I knew exactly. And first it came on sheets of paper, but then when we started carrying computers at the end of my career, you know, all we had to do was uh, press a button and voila. Now, because of the fact that, you know, we would get maybe a minute on average with these physicians, sometimes you just didn't have the time to tell your detail and get creative in that context. But you still had to detail what was legally approved from the company. Was there a punishment for doctors whose numbers got too low? In other words, did you give them fewer gifts, fewer lunches? How'd that work? No, um, there, there, there's plenty of of, um, of information out there. Of, uh, in fact, I quoted one of these uh, drug giant pleads guilty, fined three billion dollars for marketing. Um, a lot of these um, studies or these these articles have. Um, Basically, bribery of uh, of physicians with with things like lunches and trips and stuff like that. Now, so there was no punishment. You got to remember, the drug rep was a liaison. Doctor Daniels was a low level liaison. Let me share my experience. So they started collecting mm-hmm. this data prior to actually collecting it. By the way, initially they had to ask permission. So they offered me uh, twenty dollars if I would sign a release allowing them to collect the information you just described. I told them no. I knew it was worth more than that, you know, a few thousand at least. So then they went to the legislature of New York and had laws passed making collection of this sensitive data legal. All right. So now I'm still in medical practice. And then what I notice happening, the gifts dry up, the lunches dry up. So... And drug reps were coming in and haranguing me, verbally abusing me, because their figures showed that my prescribing was down to about zero. Further, I found that they were getting commissions on my prescribing practices. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, it's did you bonus. get commissions? Oh, oh yes. absolutely. Get... Okay. What, what, what commissions, bonuses? I, I, I don't know what the pr- the correct semantic would be, but absolutely we did. Now I never chastise a physician. <laughs> Are you serious? You really? <laughs> to oh, you she was upset. Oh my wow. god! I thought I was going to have to call it. the police. Well, there. See, I'll be honest with you. Um, if the if it was a, a female drug rep who did that, if yeah. a male drug rep got got aggressive with any physician, whether it be a male or a man or a woman, he would have been the cops would have been called. He would have been kicked out and probably fired. In fact, he would have been fired. So that being said, I just think it's common consideration not to yell at a physician. I never yelled at a physician at all or a pharmacist in my 20-year career. Plus, now I did a lot of I did a lot of CE programs. I did a lot of CE programs for pharmacists and physicians, where they got, uh, you know, credits for their. Um, uh, I can't think of what it's called now, CE or CME, depending on if they were yeah, pharmacy, pharmacists or physicians. dinners and speeches. I did evening dinners. I did speeches. Now, yeah. towards the end of my career, I couldn't t- give the talks anymore. It mm-hmm. was down to teleconferences and hiring physicians or pharmacists to do the talks. So they got, you know, they got the information from my company on what they needed to say, and they give the, the talks. Some were canned. Some were, you know, specific details about um, patient okay. types. Okay, and, we've and only got six minutes left. Let's see if we have any questions. I've got to go check and see if I can find the right screen here. Okay, I'm going to click right here. All right, we have a question. Let's see here. Hi, you're on the air. What's your question? Hi, Dr. Daniels. Uh, thank you so much for the call. It's such a privilege to hear you and your guests speak tonight. Anyway, I've heard you speak about uh, turpentine and its use, and I mm-hmm. caught up 
caught something last week about uh, taking it properly for reducing blood pressure. Can you mm-hmm. just speak a little bit on how much and how often it should be taken to see results, and can it be taken uh, this way on a long-term basis? Now, did you get the uh, Candida Cleaner report? Uh, we just downloaded it today. Okay, so you have to read that. That talks extensively about dosing. So I'll okay, great. Dosing is in there. Um, the hypertension, I think the important thing to know about hypertension and turpentine is to understand the role of parasites in hypertension. A lot of times the blood vessels themselves are actually lined with parasites and that narrows the flow channel for the blood. And so when you get rid of these parasites, it actually um, opens up the blood vessels and the heart can circulate the blood with less pressure. And that's the, the mechanism. Obviously, even though I'm a doctor, I'm not licensed, not medical advices, advice, and, uh, of course, no liability here. But that's the understanding that you should have. So what you really want to do is your body is a bunch of tubes circulating, circulating, circulating blood, which is important. And so you want to clean out those tubes, and that's what getting rid of parasites does for you. Okay, great. Rich, we have... Four minutes left, and I'm going to check the chat room for some questions. But while I do that, would you like to um, just give us the title of your book? Well, I'll tell you, the easiest way to do this, folks, is to go to my website, which is offgridmontana.com. And Montana is spelled out, not abbreviated. Again, that is offgridmontana.com. Now, I talk a lot about when I'm invited onto radio shows, I talk probably a, a, more on the financial, economic, social, and political reasons why we need to be more self-sufficient as American people because of what's happening in our economy, uh, all the corrupt practices from the central banks and the big corporate oligarchies and, and, and the fascist system that we have in government. I think that uh, people are losing their way and and, and not – having an alternative lifestyle plan of action or a plan B. And that's what I'm trying mm-hmm. to do, Dr. Daniels, is create. Um, I want to give ideas and solutions so people can think differently. Whether you go off-grid and make your own electricity or not, whether you put solar panels on your existing on-grid home, whether you buy some land to raise animals to consume that's free of steroids, hormones, and antibiotics, to grow your own produce so you can keep it, keep away from GMO foods and pesticides, um, so let yeah, me ask you I a mean, question. I had this uh, idea back in 1990. And so being a doctor, of course, money's no object. So I pour a few hundred bucks into my backyard, get this garden, plant a bunch of stuff, water it, water it, weed it, weed it. At the end of the season, four-month growing season, I have two tomatoes to show for my effort. So what encouragement would you give for someone like me, you know, a little discouraged at the harvest, Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, I would make sure wh- where you get your plants or your seeds. I would again go to in, in the book. I have some uh, uh, a couple of companies in there that you can order online: heirloom or open pollinated seeds. I'm not mm-hmm. saying that all hybrid seeds could be GMO, but I'm saying some could be. And I want and I, I have a whole. Using, I have a. I might have been using hybrid seeds. Well, you could be, and they're not necessarily bad. Like but but I have a whole list of I have a whole list of seed companies that that companies like Monsanto has purchased. So you know mm. that they've been genetically modified. You know that they've been in the laboratory in vitro in the test tube changed. And mm. so I would the first thing I would do is make sure where you get your seeds. And if you can get open pollinator heirloom seeds, I suggest you germinate them yourselves. You know, put them in a window. When you germinate seeds, believe it or not, they prefer heat over light. So if you put them in an, in an area like in March and it's got a lot of light and you're wondering how come these seeds aren't germinating, is because they need heat, more heat to germinate than light. 
Second thing I would do is look into building a greenhouse, okay? You can build yeah. in the book. I give, I give an idea of building a greenhouse 40-foot long with cattle panels and UV-treated plastic for just a few hundred dollars. And I'm in the, DV, in the DVD video talking about that as well. So this, and hey, you've got to make sure you rotate your crop. We have 10 seconds left. We have 10 seconds oh. left. But thank you so much okay. for being a guest today. We've really enjoyed your information. I think people have been, you know, enlightened a bit. Thank you so much. Well, thank, thank you. I really appreciate the invitation, and uh, hopefully we'll, we'll do it again sometime. All right. Wonderful. Thank you. You're welcome. This music is a little bit delayed. I don't know why. It must be that that uh, clicks from Canada, I mean, from Panama take a while. All right. And we'll be back next week. Thank you.